Hello and welcome back to the There is a Floodlight That Never Goes Out podcast. As always, I am joined by Will and Ed. How are we, lads? Very good, thank you. Yeah, I'm very good, thanks. Good stuff. In today's podcast, we are, of course, going to be previewing the Championship playoffs. And I, for one, cannot wait, whilst also at the same time, I'm absolutely shitting myself. Um in the lead up to the games. Um, so basically, we are going to be previewing the Barnsley versus Swansea and Brentford versus Bournemouth ties. Um, we're not going to do anything, let's say, around a hypothetical playoff final just yet until that is confirmed and we will do so at the time. Um, kicking it off then, I've got to start at Dean Court where Bournemouth are taking on Brentford in the first game of the championship playoffs. Ed, how do you see uh, this one panning out? And first, I've got to put the question to you. Are Brentford, the serial bottlers, going to bottle at their 13th attempt to a playoff victory? Well, it's a weird one, this one, because if you'd asked me, you know, a few games ago, when Bournemouth were the informed team, you'd have, mm. you'd have thought, you know, they were the team to beat in the playoffs. However, three straight losses they've had, including one against Brentford. And that doesn't sow any sort of seeds of positivity going into a campaign in the playoffs. And I'm a, I'm a firm believer that you need momentum going to playoffs. That's why I don't really like mm. teams sort of resting plays in the last few games when they know their, their position in the playoffs is safe. And then obviously you've got a Brentford side who are banging form, you know, with some great wins against Bournemouth and Watford. And, you know, won the last four. So you're thinking they're going in the best possible steam and, and that, for me, is why I do see Brentford coming out on top on this one. Well, quick to jump the gun um, in terms of the prediction on that one. Um, you know, we've got to... I, I'm going to pose this question to you, Will. Looking yeah. at, at Bournemouth, a few games ago, we were saying on the podcast, you know, this is the, the, the Red Hot Chili Cherries. I think we, in fact, named one of the podcasts just because of how good they were. Yeah. And you were looking at Philip Billing in the number 10 role, Arnott, Dan Juma for me especially, who's probably the best player in the league at the time. Um, why do you think they've fallen off so much in in the lead-up to these playoffs? Um, I guess it's just that sort of typical, I don't want to say their place was safe, but, you know, they, they were pretty much there. And I guess it's, you know, when in the mindset going into a game, you're not thinking we have to win this. You know, there's perhaps mm. room for error. We saw that a bit with Barnsley, you know, with our disappointing results against, like, Preston and Coventry so I, th mm. I think it's partly to do with the mental side of it um, but I think this game in general it's two teams who we've seen so many different sides to in one season and yeah. it, it's it's really going to be, you know the playoffs anyway are a case of what team rocks up and I think this game especially is going to be simply you know who turns up on the day yeah yeah, 100%. Um, but we've got to look at it sort of more in focus in first leg. Um, I'm seeing a lot of people sort of in the in the FL stratosphere, as, as you could put it, sort of saying, of the two legs, this is probably going to be the most high goal scoring um, tie. Ed, what, what, do you, what, what would you say to someone who says that? I would say they're probably exactly right in a normal league fixture. However, when it comes mm. to the playoffs, I think... All sort of normality goes out the window. Um, you know, I'm certainly looking to 
going back to when we were in the playoffs in that 16-17 season when we played Huddersfield in the first leg uh, mm. at the John Smith Stadium and it was nil-nil and we didn't take a game to Huddersfield and Huddersfield didn't take the game to us. Now, the yeah. rest of that playoff campaign is completely irrelevant and won't be touched upon. <laughs> but I think there's a danger here with both these sides, especially from Bournemouth under Jonathan Woodgate, to revert back to tactics that are a little bit conservative and don't allow the players like Dan Juma to really... Brentford won both games in the league this season, both by one goal margin. So there isn't on paper anything yeah. really between these two sides that, that we can all agree upon. Um, I actually think that the Barnsley-Swansea game will have more goals in it in the first leg. Um, right, sure we'll, we can get on to that. We can get on to that. I just see these two sides balancing each other out. And I see yeah. the idea of a, a neutral first leg, take it all into the second leg, much more so than, say, a Barnsley-Swansea, because, mm. and I'm not going to go too much into detail now on Barnsley-Swansea, <laughs> because I'll go into that more at a later date in the podcast. Yeah. But there's a certain, I'm going to say not maturity, but there's a certain experience to both Brentford and Bournemouth that perhaps mm. Barnsley, the Tykes, don't really have, and therefore they know, you know, Brentford were in this position last season, and Bournemouth have been in this situation before, played in much more high-profile games, a lot of those players. So, you know, I just think there'll be that sort of tendency to sit back in those 50-50s rather than go straight for it. Um, mm. But, yeah, um, I hope we don't see that because, like you said, both these sides, attack is their main strength. And yeah. that's my worry, is that they'll just cancel each other out. Yeah, and... Um... You mentioned the two victories for Brentford in the normal season. Um, Will, how, how much importance do you place upon the fact that, that Brentford only a few weeks ago went to Dean Court and with 10 men dominated Bournemouth? Yeah, that that is going to be a massive part because both teams are going to know that in their head that that happened. And, you know, from a, a Brentford point of view, they're thinking, you know, we can do these over again. And from a Bournemouth point of view, they're thinking, well, you know, they, we got dominated by these when they only had 10 men. You know, clearly that's going yeah. to be a factor that does play a part. You know, yes, it's a different game, but, you know, you're not just going to forget those sort of results. And sort of saying what Ed, you know, touched on about the experience. Obviously, Brentford, I think I'm right in saying they lost their first leg last year in the playoffs, 1-0. Uh, and they knew that going into that second leg, there was a lot more added pressure that they would have rather not had. And so I reckon they'll do everything they can to make sure that they're going into the second leg in a much more comfortable position than last time. Because, you know, they played Swansea last time, who were a good side. But this mm. Bournemouth team, I can see, you know, if they get ahead, they've got the quality to hold a result and they're not going to bottle it in the second yeah. leg. So I think this yeah. first leg is massive in this game. Yeah. Um, Ed, you mentioned a, a, a little bit previous to Will that, that, that you can see the two sides cancelling each other out. Now, you look at Brentford's system and it, it changed mid-season, didn't it? And, and we saw the advent of a five at the back almost with, with Pontus Janssen on the right, Ethan Pinnock on the left, um, the, the sort of the sweeper of, of Norgard and then Kanyos at left wing back, um, and Ruslev at right wing back. How much importance 
view place on that because Brentford at times this season, unless Ivan Tony turns up, they've struggled for goals. Yeah, I mean, you knew how Brentford was set up that four three three, very rarely changed. Now with a changing system, yeah, we've seen teams be successful at this season. Look at Watford when they changed the system yeah. Yeah. Um, after the injury to Thini. So. I don't think a change of system is a bad thing, and it certainly hasn't served Brentford um, badly at all because there was that element of everyone knew what a Thomas Frank team was nowadays. You know, uh, after after a prolonged spell as a permanent manager, and it needed that bit of freshening up. Um, and like I said about Tony, you know, this is a chance for Tony to not only make headlines in the Championship but make headlines on a national scene because yeah. let's face it, this is when the Premier League fans start casting an eye upon the Championship for the yeah. playoff campaigns. They're going to have heard everything about Tony, but very rarely seen it with their own eyes. So if he wants to really push into the minds of the, of the top six fans, the Premier League fans, like he should be, like he deserves to be, mm. this is his chance to take. Yeah, yeah. Um, you mentioned everyone knew what to expect from a Thomas Frank side. Um, talking of head coaches slash managers... We have to talk about Jonathan Woodgate. Um, now, I've seen this mentioned on other podcasts. I've seen it mentioned on Twitter a million times. But the four managers slash head coaches in the playoffs, we know what we're getting from them. In, in Valerian Ismail at, at Barnsley, you're getting a manager who, who got 76 points from, from 40 games in charge of the Reds. And, and that, that is pretty out, outstanding. Um, in Steve Cooper, you've now got a, a gaffer who, who's led Swansea to two consecutive playoff campaigns where, where there hadn't been before. And in Thomas Frank, once again, he's, he's delivered a playoff place for Brentford whilst they threatened to, to make a top two charge again this season. Whereas Woodgate, he, he didn't do a great job at, at, at Borough. He landed on his feet, definitely, at the Cherries. And this this sort of, the surge of form under him's really tailed off. Now, Will, going into a playoff campaign, will the lack of experience and, and maybe lack of know-how in a big game, um, affects Bournemouth in the sense of their head coach. Um, I th- it's a difficult one with Woodgate because, you know, myself included, when he was brought into the Bournemouth job, I don't think there was many fans who thought that's a you know that's the right move. You know, it just seemed so not right in a way. And yet, to be fair to him, you know, he silenced the critics, and you know, he has got Bournemouth securely into the playoffs, which. I guess was probably their goal, you know, once automatic promotion was out the window. So I understand what you're saying in the sort of lack of experience um, going into the playoff campaign. But again, I think, you know, he's already proved us wrong once in in what he was going to do with that Bournemouth team. And there's nothing stopping him from going into this playoff campaign and sort of silencing everyone again and, you know, putting this Bournemouth team in a really good position to go on and win their two two legs. Um, but no, I think sometimes the element of surprise, I guess, with a manager can be a good thing. You know, like you say, with Ishmael and stuff, you do know what you're getting, the type of football, you, mm-hmm. you know. Whereas with Woodman, it, it maybe it is a bit of a, a wild card and harder to read from a, from a Brentford perspective. Uh, yeah, I, I think there is certainly a little bit of that. Uh, Ed, what what do you make t- to Woodgate? Um, I agree with what Will said about that sort of 
air of suspicion when he first came in. Um, I think you did him quite kindly, uh, Tom, by saying you know he didn't do very well at, at, at um, Borough. He, he was shocking. He was shit. Let's yeah. call it what it was. Um, and I think if you're Jonathan Woodgate, you're thinking right. Well, I had you know a good spell, Borough lower lower down the club, you know the youth teams, and then I got my chance and I didn't really take it. And people knew that I didn't take it. And so if I want to be employed as a manager in the future, this is my chance to prove to everyone that I'm a good manager, head coach, you know, whatever you want to call it. Mm. And, you know, he's very lucky to be in this position. A chance, he's got a chance to, you know, get a Premier, get a Premier League promotion on his, on his CV, which if you'd have told Borough fans a year ago, they'd have laughed you all the way to the back. So, yeah. um, I think... It's really is a chance for him to propel his career, even if it's just a big money move to somewhere and then he gets found out. I'm not saying he will get found out because I don't think we've seen enough of Woodgate to pass judgment on his qualities as a head coach yet. Mm. Um, I think you've got to give him full credit for the way he's galvanised that Bournemouth side. I really do. Um, I think there's almost a case with this with this Bournemouth side and Woodgate of sort of Ollie syndrome, if you're going to call it that. So when the team does well, when, when, when they get a win, it's the team doing well. When they lose, it's the manager's fault. And I see that yeah. sort of parallels with, with this Bournemouth side and Woodgate. And I don't like that. And I think he deserves full credit. Um, we've touched it before, the drop-off of form. Um, but this is a man who's played for Real Madrid. Um, you not know, very well. Not, not very well, but, you know... I don't think things can go as badly as his debut for, uh, for Real Madrid, but, you know, famous last words. Um, no, I just think he's in a very lucky position. He'll know that. He'll know this is his chance to seize. And I think I, I think with the players at disposal, I don't see any reason why he can't succeed, uh, personally. Yeah, Ed, that, that's definitely fair enough. Um, Will, um Starting off, sort of then with the first leg of, of these fixtures, um, how do you see this one going? Um, it, it's a, as we've said, it's a very difficult one to call. Um, but mm. the first leg, for some reason, I just, I, I just see a Bournemouth victory. Um, yeah, sort of a very close, you know, tactical game, sort of similar to the um, when Bournemouth played Watford at home a few weeks ago. Mm. That sort of mm. that. You know, just one crucial goal in it, and I just see it playing out similar to that for some reason. Um, yeah, Dan yeah. Juma popping up with a beauty or something like that. So yeah, I, I go for a one 0 Bournemouth win in the first leg. Yeah, um, like like we've said previous, we know Ed that you think Brentford will win the tie, but how how do you see the first leg going? Either a nil nil or a one all draw. I don't see either side really coming out on top. Um, mm. You know, goes the second leg with the lead. Um, so yeah, and then then we'll go to the Brentford Community Stadium, and I think Brentford, will, you know, pop a couple past them. They'll there might be the late goal from from Bournemouth to give it a bit of spice, but you know, all in vain. Yeah, um, I think that's that's fair enough. First leg, I'm in agreement with Will. I I, I see the cherries doing the number. On Thomas Frank's men to the tune of 2 0. Um, and second leg, I see Bournemouth just sitting back, getting a 0 0 draw. And um, so I, I, I see Bournemouth 
in the playoff final. Um, Will, how do you see the second leg going? Yeah, I I agree with you. I, perhaps not a nil-nil or anything. I, I can see Brentford coming out to play um, after being 1-0 down in the first leg. And I think we'll just see Bournemouth sort of be able to cope with that. And then, mm. you know, Bournemouth can look so, you know, deadly on that counter-attack with the pace they've got up front. And yeah, I, I can see Bournemouth maybe putting another couple past them. And yeah, again, I, I see Bournemouth going through to the final. Uh, good stuff then. So we've got me, Bournemouth, Will, Bournemouth, Ed, Brentford. Um, moving on then to, come on guys, let's face it, the most important game of football played since the year 2000. Um, it is, of course, Barnsley versus Swansea City. Um, I can already see the faces that Ed's pulling. Uh, I know you're not going to like this, Ed, but um, previewing Barnsley versus Swansea is difficult for me and Will because we don't want to curse anything um, and we and we certainly don't want to stick his necks out and then be made to look like a pillock whilst also having to sort of cope with the fact that Barnsley have lost, uh, if that does unfortunately happen. So I'm going to let Ed sort of take the reins on this one. But before I do, Ed, um, how do you see the, the first leg uh, faring? Yeah, so I touched upon it earlier that I see this first leg being a lot more entertaining than than the other game. Um, and I think that comes down to both, A, your styles of play and also your inexperience at this sort of pressure level. Um, mm. And that's not just for the squad, but also the manager. Uh, you know, the Spearsmouth first playoff campaign with Steve Cooper's second. And, you know, we know Barnsley love a policy of signing virtually all under 25 players. Um, and, you know, with that comes a lack of experience, which might in games like this be missing. Um, mm. I think your direct attacking style of play, um, it suits itself to being exploited in these kind of games, which. You know, if they're going off past form, um, you haven't beaten Swansea on the last four occasions. Swansea mm. have picked up two wins and two draws in that time. Um, they are slightly semi-obsessed with you, which which is a little weird. I remember, you know, there were a lot of sort of Jacks fans in the in the comments um, of Barnsley FC's Twitter yeah, once they beat you this off. season. Um, a little bit weird, a little bit tin pot, but that is Swansea for you. Um, <laughs> I think. Um, I just think Barnsley will go into this game um, with this, and this I don't disrespect them at all for this, but with an openness to their play that I think the Naus and the experience of Swansea could exploit. Um, I also think it's clear for me to stay on record that I want Barnsley to lose this game of football, as I want them to lose the reverse fixture. As nice as it is to see South Yorkshire clubs succeed, this would be a succeeding. Don't, don't lie with that trope, are it? I know Adam, no, I know no, Adam that, Oxley that said it's real. nice that to see him doing well. real for, for your Doncasters and your Rotherhams of this world. You know yeah. what I mean? Communities where, you know, football really is the lifeblood of their community. And it is the same for Barnsley, but the problem with Barnsley mm. is that you guys support them, so therefore, I don't want them to do well. <laughs> um, so, no, I, um, I just think... Oh, I'm very honest. Also, you know, um, Barnsley, neither of you come into this in amazing form. You know, I think that's also worth, also worth pointing out. You know, you won two out your last five. Swansea only won, and that was against Derby County, which isn't an achievement really. Um, 
you know, Swansea have had a bit of an identity crisis. Sorry? You'd have beaten him, you'd have stayed up. <laughs> yeah, uh, we're going to explain to that one too much. Um, oh dear. No, I think on Swansea, they've had a little bit of an identity crisis this season at times, certainly the second mm, half yeah. of the campaign. Yeah. They've struggled up front for goals, and that's what I think will save you. However, they've got one man, Andre Ayew, who is a definition of a game changer, you know, um, and I, these are the games. <laughs> don't forget, these these are the games that he sort of thrives in, um, and that's a problem for, for the Reds. Um, but I guess once they've got Daryl DK and then Carl Morris to come off the bench, that's always a danger in its own right. Um, I mean, I'm going to touch upon this for you, to you guys. Um, I said off there that this is a bit of a, you know, free hit, if you like, this playoff campaign, because, mm. you know, you're talking about your nerves, asking me how I went through two campaigns, this in two seasons in a row, um, with depression after each one, is how we answer that one, um, with extreme sadness. Um, but, no. Um, so, I think it's a free hit, but you guys disagree. I think me and Will agree pretty much unanimously on this. This is, well, it's just a fact this. This is by far the best season Barnsley have had in 21 years. And if you discount the 1997-98 season and the 99-2000 season, it's the best season we've had ever. And it's, it's, an, it's an odd position to be in because... This time last year, as everybody knows, it's part of Sky Commentator Bingo these days. We were one kick off being in League One. And as a Barnsley fan, I think you're always pretty happy to be mid-table championship. And it's not something I've ever seen us be. Since since pretty much I was born, we've been a struggling championship side, upper echelons League One side. And for someone to say it's a free hit for Barnsley, it just isn't. These opportunities don't often come around for the Reds. And to treat it as a free hit and go, well, if we lose in the semi-final, then then so be it. I don't think you can do that. Our squad's going to be torn apart if we lose. That is just something I've accepted. The likes of Mikael Helic, Mess Anderson, Callum Styles, Callum Britton, Colin Woodrow, Daryl DK, Alex Mower are all going to leave the club pretty much if we don't get promoted. And sadly, I can see Valerian Ishmael picking up a better job than Barnsley if we don't get promoted. Um, that that's pretty much the reason why I don't think it's a free hit. I mean, what what about you, Will? Yeah, I, I completely agree with you. It's this idea that you know, Ed, you spoke about having two consecutive playoff campaigns. That will not happen to Barnsley because that's just yeah. not the sort of club we are. It takes a miracle run to get into this position, and I think some people think this one season could be a turning point for us. And I think it will be in the fact of it might have got us out of that yo-yo trap, but I still don't think it makes us a playoff team. I think it makes us a mid-table yeah. team who've had a very good run. Um, and like like Tom said, it's the fact that this squad, you know, there's already so much talk around it and it will be torn apart if we don't get promoted because, you know, we just don't have the money, etc. to hold these sort of players. Um, so I, I think... You know, at the end of the day, we're talking about a playoff campaign in the championship, you know, three games away from the Premier League. So to treat it as just a, well, we'll give this a go, is the completely wrong attitude. I think, you know, you go into that attitude when you're playing Chelsea in the third round of the FA Cup 
you know, oh, this yeah. is a free hit because it, it doesn't matter really, you know. Whereas these games, these are massive, um, and we know we're capable of winning these games, and so why would you treat it as a free hit? You know, if you're capable of winning, then you should go in with the attitude of wanting to win, and anything that isn't winning is a failure. Yeah, um, I mean, I want to sort of define what I class as a free hit. It's not from this sort of laissez-faire, whatever will be, will be attitude. It's from a sort of, mm. if you lose this game, it's not the end of the world. And I'll elaborate as to why I believe that. You're not a sort of... Um, a parachute payment team where you've spent big, you get into your sort of last chances before it all goes tits up. You know, you're not in that financial situation. Mm. Um, I also think this season, as cringe as it sounds, has been about the journey, not the end product. Because I'll tell you what the journey's done from an outsider. It's put Barnsley FC in a position where you can go out and sign some of the best top young talent in the country and on the continent and people know you have a trusted and successful method of developing these players because you've now done that over two or three seasons and now got an end reward a playoff place in the championship Mm. and the players you talked about leaving so Mo is out of contract I agree with you on him you know he will leave if you don't get promoted Daryl DK you know he was bound to have suits in the Premier League too good for us even if we go up Let's face it. I, I see Callum Britton staying. I see Collie Woodrow staying. I even see Callum Styles staying for another season. You know, these players, because a lot of that depends on Ishmael's future of the club, but I believe that as well. But I don't think Ishmael, from what I've seen of him, is the kind of guy to sort of leave a club, you know, walk away from a challenge um, unfinished. Um, so I wouldn't actually be too worried about losing Ishmael because I think you've also got to look at clubs around who's in a position where they'll be looking to either offload the manager or have offloaded the manager and will be looking to bring in an Ishmael. If you look at the, if look, yeah, they're, they're heavily interested in Sean Dykes, which is stupid in my opinion. But, Burnley, though. Yeah. Uh, Burnley. But, I mean, I think Burnley are a little bit Barnsley-esque. They're sort of the Premier League yeah, Barnsley. They are, they are. I think he'd suit Burnley. But again, you know, I, I just wouldn't be too worried about that. And I don't think you should be thinking about that. You should be focusing on your campaign now and then whatever will be, will be in that aspect. But in terms of will this will this singular game or three games define you as a club for the next 10 years, I'm not sure it will do as much as you guys believe. I really don't. Because I think this season has laid the groundwork from season upon season of success now if you continue with this model. You're doing what you did. We've talked so many times. You're doing what Brentford done and building that reputation. Well, you've got that reputation now. You just need to act upon it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you do, I'd love you that to be point. the case. Yep. Yeah. But it's, it really is just that fact that you're looking at it from a Sheffield Wednesday point of view and probably not just as a Wednesday point of view, but of a championship point of view in seeing, you know, Brentford have taken this path before. Norwich took this path a few years yeah. ago. Um Whereas it might be that case, but I'm a Barnsley fan and I've, I've seen us be dog shit for 12 years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you're there and you see um, Laurie Della Valle score off his hip for Crew Alexandra as they send you to the bottom of League One, it's hard not to be um, stressed going into a championship playoff campaign. Um, but going more on to the game itself, um, you mentioned about 
how the Swans beat us in in the regular season. Um, that's not something I'm actually too worried about because as as Valerian Ishmael's mentioned in his press conference, he he says you know we were a team that didn't have Daryl D Kane, Carlton Morrison, and it, it make it makes us a completely different animal in my opinion now having them too. Um, I'm I'm gonna throw this to Will, but it just every time Carlton Morris picks that ball up on the left wing, he looks like he's gonna do something with it. And it's something we didn't have from our attack in the first half of this season. I mean, would you agree with me on that, Will? Massively. It's you know, these two games that we're gonna see, if anything, are two different teams to what we saw in the in in the season. I think Swansea have changed to the team. We played them where they couldn't stop winning. You know, they weren't necessarily a special team, they just they had the knack of winning, which, you know, sometimes all it takes. Um, I think they might have lost that a little bit, like Ed said, one win in the last five coming into this. You know, Jamal Lowe still scoring, but, you know, not as frequently as he once was. Um, so, yeah, it's 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 very hard to call. Um, like you say, with the additions of Daryl DK, Carlton Morris, they have been so important for Barnsley and the way we now play. So obviously they'll have an impact, um, and I think you know you've got two teams. You're going to have one team who are playing with the experience, with the likes of Andre Ayew, and then you're going to have the kind of naiveness, but also sort of desire from this young Barnsley team who are just hungry for wins. And in a way, I think the almost lack of understanding how big this game is could play into our hands a little bit in the fact of you don't you know these Swansea players they've been there before they know how much pressure's on them for a club who expect to be doing well whereas Barnsley they go in with the attitude of you know it's just another game which we so often do you know take it one by one um I think I I don't know <laughs> I really don't know it's so hard to say I'm shitting myself um it's just yeah I I don't think I've ever wanted Barnsley to win two games more in my life. Yeah. I, I, it's one of them. It's I'm more bothered about the semis than the actual final because in the final, I genuinely do believe everything goes out the window and it's just a game of football and there's going to be a winner and a loser. Whereas the semis, I think there is a lot of different aspects going into it. And yeah, just please come on, Barnsley. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Up the reds. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't think there's much more tied on the Barnsley front, to be honest. I mean, there's different things that I, I mean, you can mention in this, in our defence, for example. Um, you've got the the conundrum of who do you play at right centre half? Do you go Michael Solbauer? Do you go Toby Sibic? Um, well, I'll ask you, Tom. Me, who, who are you going for? Yeah. Personally, I'm going Sibic, um, just to deal with with the pace of Jamal Lowe and Andre Ayew, because yep. I'd. I'd I'm not knocking Michael Solbauer, and I'm not even saying he's slow. I just don't think he has the correct attributes to counter them to. And we saw it at Oakwell in, in the regular season game. I said I don't place too much importance on that, but it's definitely an aspect I'd have to pick up on in that game. It was yeah. Swansea didn't play well, but their only avenue into goal-scoring opportunities was around the back of Solbauer, and it's just not something I think we can risk. Um, maybe even in the second leg, it might be a case of we see some minutes for Liam Kitchen. I was going to say uh, left centre half and moving Mess to right centre half. Yeah, 
but but we'll have to wait and see on on team selection front, and then of course you can you can pretty much guarantee who's going to be playing in the other positions. You, you're going to have Britain at right wing back, Stylesy, left wing back, uh, Palmer and Moat as your midfield two, and well, it could be anyone of six as 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 your forward six. But I'm in agreement with with Doug O'Kane of the Chronicle. He said first leg you can see it being a DK Woodrow Morris front three. Second leg, you can see it being a Woodrow Chaplin and then one of Morris or Adiboyejo front three. Um, but we'll have to wait and see on the Barnes front. Swansea front then. Um, Ed, how do you see this for the Swans? Because they are 17th in the form table, I think, over the last 15 matches, which is a far cry from how good they were at the at top for the first six months of the season. Going into a playoff campaign, how key do you think it is that the Swans aren't in the best of form? Um, I think it's a sliding scale um, at the minute. I, I don't think it's actually anything to worry about for Swansea. Had they lost, like say, the last five going into it, of course, that you know, question marks have to be raised. But the fact of the matter is, is, we've talked about it so many times already, that form really does go out the window in these sort of games. And, you know, you isolate these games as, as separate entities, which is what they are. Um, so I don't think that's much of an issue. Swansea will know they've got it in them, just as Barnes will know they've got it in them. Um, there's a reason both of them are here at, at this point of the season. Um, I really think Swansea have got to take this game to Barnsley, though. I think if they sit back and allow Barnsley to get on the front foot quickly and early, that's just going to set the tempo for the whole game. And, mm. you know, Barnsley will, you know, I'm not saying it'll be a route, but I said, you know, you, you'll come away with something from that first leg. Um, I think Steve Cooper, like I say, he's been in this position before. Um, does that really aid him, though? I'm not sure it does, if we're being honest. Uh, played Brentford last last season in the playoffs. And I think Steve Cooper has enough in this in, in his tactical now to, to, if anyone's going to outsmart Valerian Ishmael out of the three remaining managers, I think Steve Cooper's the one. I think when yeah. you're tactically wise, I yeah. think he's superior to Frank and Woodgate. Um, and, you know, we'll see that. My only worry for Swansea is scoring goals because the second half of the season, they haven't done that enough. Um, we know they're very solid defensively. We know they've got a decent midfield, you know, the likes of Grimes and Fulton. Um, and then you come in, you know, if Lowe and Ayu turn up, I think it'll be, a, you know, a real tough time for the Reds. Yeah, 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 definitely. But at the same time, this you know, you mentioned Swansea's defence. They've not had a player like Daryl DK to deal with, and I know that sounds like I'm so up, but he's such a different type of player because he doesn't just bring quality. He's fucking huge, and will just bash into you and be a right pain in the yeah. ass to defend against, and like. You know, playoffs, you're scared about making mistakes. The last thing you want is some big fella just knocking into you. You know, it would be the last thing you want. And I'm praying that that makes a difference. <laughs> yeah. No, I yeah. think DK definitely has the ability to change his game um, and, and a tie more than any other Barnsley player. Um, I just think the Swan Swansea's defence has been that good enough and faced such a wide array of strikers this season. And this will be famous last words because DK will then go back a hat trick. Uh, but I I'm just think them, so. I, I see I see them being able to, to counter it and stop it. 
You know, mm. three at the back is perfectly set up to sort of give them enough numbers in defence to, to, to stop a big man like DK. Well, actually, um, this is something I need to ask you because we have seen sort of since, you'd say, probably February or March, Swansea have switched to a 4-3-3. They are, yeah, they have. Um, I, I, do you see them reverting back to the three at the back, as you said, then, to try and cope with Barnsley? Because in my personal view, even without trying to jinx it, if Swansea start a four at the back, I think they could be seriously exposed. I would go back to three at the back. And now that is mm. taking all rationale out of the conversation because, you know, but I don't think it's like this four at the back has been in particularly amazing at all. Um, and, you know, I can't believe I'm going to even bring this back up. I mean, I'm embarrassed, but this is my only sort of case example of how to beat Barnsley. And that was when we beat you and played a three at the back. And yeah. the three at the back um, perfectly sort of countered your direct attacking style. And I think if you're playing Barnsley, the last thing you want to do is leave Daryl DK or Carlton Morris with a one-on-one um, sort of duel. And with two centre-backs, that's the danger. Um so personally, if I was Steve Cooper, I would take the risk and revert back to the three, three at the back. Because then you can also take it back to five at the back if you need to set up shot. So, you know, it's got that flexibility. Do I see him doing that? No, I don't. But that's what I would do. Yeah. yeah. Um, well, what, what were your thoughts on the on the four slash three at the back? Um, I mean, like you said, Tom, I would much rather play against the four at the back because... It just, you know, if you if their full-backs start to push up, like you say, all of a sudden we get Britain styles in behind like we, you know, like we, we want to. And all of a sudden you've got three men in the box. Um, and that's where we've been so deadly, getting numbers in the box. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's so hard to say, I think, because at the same time you've got to give our defence credit. I think they'll, you yeah, know, on yeah. their day they can easily put up with Jamalo and Ayu, in my opinion. Although they're great players, you know, Michal Helic, Mez Anderson, we've seen two unbelievable centre halves this season in those two. Um, so yeah, it, it, it's going to be difficult. And I think from a Barnsley point of view, you know, our set pieces have been important anyway. And I think in a game like this, where if you are struggling in open play to break down their defence, set pieces could be massive. You know, we've seen how effective yeah. we've been from corners and stuff and, you know, we, we're going to have to use them to our to our best advantage and try and, you know, if that's where the goal's going to come from and we, that's, where, that's where it's going to come from. <laughs> yeah, you mentioned Barnsley's set-piece prowess. 17 goals scored from set-pieces this season, which quite frankly is ridiculous because I remember a time where I'd, you'd be sat next to me, Will. I'd say we've got a corner. We're not. We're not going to score. Yeah. Um, it was always about beating the first man, and yet we've deployed this system since DK came in. Have just crowded the goalkeeper, and it, I wouldn't be surprised if we scored from a corner again. Um, the sort of last thing I want to mention on an individual level about this game is the goalkeepers. Now, Brad Collins, we've seen how great he's been at sweeping for Barnsley the past few months, so I don't actually think there's any question marks about him. But if Freddie Woodman's in top form for the Swans, how difficult will it be for Barnsley to bag Ed? Incredibly so. Um, on um, just a second, touching on Collins, um, you're right, you can't drop him at all. But I don't actually think he's a very good goalkeeper. Um, 
And Mate, honestly, I, haven't seen the, I, haven't I thought seen this for a while, but uh, well, both times we've played, James, at fault for the goal we scored in the first. That was um, Walton. Was that Walton? Yeah. Was that Chris or Jack? I can't remember which one's which. Jack. 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 Um, well, in that case, I still think he's shit. No. <laughs> 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 so, um, the second leg, let's go to the second leg then, which he did play in, and there were a couple of times he came out, missed the ball. Um, yeah. He suits your style perfectly. I'm not saying drop him. I just think in high-pressure games like this, if anyone's going to make a mistake in that Barnsley side, it's going to be Collins, just because of the sheer amount of times he comes out to sweep it up. And nine times out of ten, he'll do it perfectly. But that one time, he does have that yeah. clangor in him. Um, um, yeah. As for Freddie Woodman, um, I I mean, I put him crawling the team this season. Um, they'll be coming out later. Um, and, you know, I put him ahead of Freddie Woodman, but it's a very close second place for Woodman. I think he's been Swansea's star player this season, apart from yeah. Andre Ayew. Um, and you, you'd be hard pushed to find a better shot stopper in the league, really. Yeah. yeah. If I just touch on the goalkeepers, I think, Ed, you mentioned Collins perhaps having that clangor in him under pressure. And I'd maybe be inclined to disagree in the fact of I think Brad Collins is one of the coolest players on our team under pressure. I genuinely think he just like doesn't... He gives a shit, but he doesn't look like he gives a shit. <laughs> He looks, you know, he does look very calm under pressure. And while I understand, you know, he has made some errors, I think when you look at the amount of times you've come out and played that sweeper role, you're bound to make some errors. We see errors yeah. at the very top of the goalkeeping game under the likes of Edison, who are literally the best in the world at that role. So, yes, okay, he's made one or two mistakes, but I think the amount of times he's done it, you know, so effectively, sort of counters that um, and then with Woodman I think Swansea having a good goalkeeper is very important for them in we were speaking about set pieces often when we've been affected from set pieces is when the goalkeeper isn't great and they almost seem to be more bothered about the men stood around them than the ball and I think with a keeper like Woodman he's above that and he's wise enough to sort of ignore the players around him and he would be a man who focuses on the ball and perhaps allow us to not be as effective from our corners where we try and you know overcrowd the keeper I think he he's the sort of keeper who could deal with that because um, you know he's shown this season how good he is so on the goalkeeper front I think we are we have got two very different but very good goalkeepers yeah yeah 100% um Obviously, me and Will aren't going to do predictions for this one. Um, and I know, Ed, this is Absolutely. more hope than um, actual sort of fact. Um, but what? how can you see this 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 playoff tie going? I might shock you here, boys. But I actually see Barnsley getting to Wembley. Uh, Don't and say then that, I'd, man. Bro, it's there's two reasons I said that. Number one, just a jinx shit, just to be a twat. And number two, <laughs> it's a genuine belief. Um, no, I, I do see... I don't see anything in this Swansea side, really, hand on heart, that I can say can counter Barnsley's style of play well enough to win a two-legged fixture. I really don't. Um, I think you match them every single day over the pitch and better them in 
quite a lot. Um, and then in the final, I do see you losing to Brentford. Um, but no, I think the first leg, like I said, I think it'll be a high scoring 2-2. Um, you know, we saw, we see, isn't it? It's weird, isn't it? In sort of these pressure games where it is like a, a winner takes all sort of environment, high scoring games. I mean, look at us versus Derby, that was a 3 3. And, and no one really talks about it. the fact that it was a 3 3. I mean, God knows how the quality was shite, but you know, the, the, the facts of the scoreline remains. Um, and in those sort of games, look at the Champions League, it's more a goal by goal basis. Um, and I think that sort of will alter the, the style of play. There'll be a game of phases where you'll be on top, they'll be on top, and we'll see at the end who comes out to prevail. But I do think you'll win. Um, mm. Whether that be Dorn and Dust in the first leg, I don't see it. I see maybe, a, like I said, a, a two-all, and then you'll go to the Liberty Stadium, and I think you'll win. Um, yeah. I think, I mean, one thing I do like about the championship playoffs is that there is no, obviously, away goals. They don't count for anything special. So, um, I think that's good. And also, with the return of fans, I mean, that's just going to be brilliant to see. I don't know about you boys, but watching the FA Cup yesterday was, it was, it was just brilliant. Beautiful, wasn't it? With the fans. It was very strategically done to make it look like there were a lot more fans in the stadium than there actually was. Yeah. To know, be fair to them, they, the made, they made a decent noise. Like, they did. Well, no, no, Leicester fans made Well, yeah, noise, Leicester but... fans. Fair. Leicester <laughs> yeah. in general, like, so off topic, but big up Leicester. Just like, in general, what yeah. a club. <laughs> Definitely. No, no, an advert for how clubs should be run and, and, uh, and everything about that. But no, I can't wait to see fans back. I'm genuinely sat here excited to watch tomorrow's game. Uh, or Monday, yeah. whenever this yeah. goes out. I don't know um, what I'm excited. I, I don't know. I'm excited. I'm nervous. I'm like, I don't. I've literally, I, I've never felt like this going into a bouncer game. I don't think. Like, yeah. You know, same, perhaps same. maybe the playoff final in League One, maybe, but maybe I don't think that was this bad. Um, no. I mean, if we could have a remake of that playoff um, campaign, we scored nine goals in three games. Um, I think I'd take that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah big time um i've got to say lads um at the risk of maybe bragging here when i when i walk up those steps and i'm back in oakwell tomorrow or today because you know on the monday it's just going to be emotional like you, you don't go to oakwell for like 14 months and the last time i was there we lost 2-0 to cardiff city and me and will literally we stuck we were stood next to each other going right that's it we're down aren't we and now we're three games off the Premier League. So I don't know how I'm going to cope. I'm probably going to have to get blackout drunk if I was to kill any emotion. <laughs> I'm not going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to remain sober, but I'm, I'm probably going to have a few panic attacks during them, them 90 plus minutes. Um, but yeah, I'm just, I just can't wait. I can't wait, but I'm so nervous. I think the, the, the first no, leg is I'm so... Tired. Sorry, yeah, go on. So I'm signing in the ultimate position of comfort. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. what will be will be. And I get to watch some Barnsley fans get a little bit nervous. And, you know, if you do win this game, like I said, I'll only start getting nervous when you guys get to the final. Starting to think, hang <laughs> on a minute. The, the ultimate embarrassment's about to happen here. Um, but no, I can see I can see why you're nervous. But, I mean, you talk there about the reaction. I mean, that's for going back to Oakwell. I mean, imagine what all the other fans in... You know, slightly nicer stadiums are gonna think. Uh, coming from a well, you play in a tin shed. You play in a tin shed, yeah. In, uh, 
No, no. I think we can both unanimously agree that our stadiums are a little bit worse for wearing in need of a bit of TLC. Disagree, well, mate. Oakwell's. I think Oakwell's actually quite nice. I'd rather have Oakwell than the Brentford Community Stadium. Yeah. I mean, when you go back, Ed, you're going to be playing, if you're about to buy a single ticket, you'll be paying 45 quid to watch League One football. <laughs> yeah, well, it's all right, because Chan Siri said he's learned from his mistakes, he's going to take the club forward, so hopefully That's he great. revises his ticket strategy, but I'm not all that much hope. But wow. no, uh, I think you guys just enjoy it, that's what I would say. Mm. You, you got, and yeah. it's a lot easier said than done, but, you know, especially going to the game, just, you know, savour it, because it's a very lucky position to be in. I'd say um, one, yeah. one thing to finish on, to do with both games, really, at what point yeah. in the first leg does the second leg become irrelevant? And let me explain a little bit. What I mean by that is, going back to Barnsley's playoff campaign, 2016, we won the first leg 3-0. Going into that second leg, there wasn't a doubt in any fan's mind what was going to happen. You know, is mm. that the same in the Championship? Um, no, no, nothing. I Seriously, I think 4-0 is probably the benchmark for you to be sort of, or, okay, we might be all right. But even then, it won't. It, I wouldn't <laughs> put it past the team. If if Bournemouth beat Brentford 4-0, I'm not putting it past Brentford to beat Bournemouth 5-0. Yeah. So I I just think it's so it's magical is, yeah, it is. is the playoffs. And this is probably my final word on it. Regardless of the result on Monday evening for for Barnsley, um, maybe even well, but definitely for Brentford and Bournemouth as well. I think for me, even if we lose one nil or two one or three two, as long as going into the second leg, we've got a chance that if we go to that game and we perform well, we're to, we're we're, go, we're going to be on the way to Wembley. I'll be delighted with the lads. Yeah. Um. And yeah, I'm very proud of them now. If we get humbled. And this time next week, I'm talking about Barnsley losing 5-0 on aggregate. I'll be going, Ismail Art, I want him gone, I want him gone it morning. Um, but just know now that, as I say, I'm, I'm very proud of the players and I just really hope we get to Wembley, into the promised land. Uh, yeah, completely yeah. echo Tom's words. Final word from me, um, up the swans. <laughs> Shite, uh, anyway, um, if you've listened to this point, we thank you very much. As always, it's really appreciated. If you listen on YouTube, please drop in the comments who do you think is going to win the playoffs and win a place in the Premier League. Um, if you are listening on YouTube, of course, please drop a like on the video and subscribe. If you're listening on Apple or Spotify, do follow and subscribe. And as always, you can find us on Twitter at Floodlight Pod. Thanks for listening. Cheers, guys. Thanks, guys.